Guys, we're back. We are back. Woo! Yeah. It's Sunday. You guys, it's weird. Since the pandemic starting, I've been sleeping in a ton. And because today was the beginning, well, this is a hockey podcast, we should point Not out. Anymore. But Not anymore. Not anymore. It's changed it's this morning. A hockey podcast anymore. Like, normally, we start the show, it's like, hey, we're back. But right now, we're just no. so... I can't remember the last time I woke up at 8 a.m. more than one day in a row. We are back. Yeah, and, yes. and so wow. is F1, guys. Today was the Austrian Grand Prix, the first race of the season. I predicted it, guys. I was right. Valtteri Bottas. James, this is Valtteri. Well done. Valtteri Bottas wins pole position and wins first for the Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton would have been second, but he had a five-second time penalty for basically repeating history like Brazilian, the Brazilian Grand Prix last year. Knocking poor Alex Albaugh right out of the way of the podium. Daniel, how'd you feel about that? Uh, I was disappointed, but you know, he's a young guy. He'll, he'll keep building up, but you know, I'm excited to keep watching him. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can't beat Lewis Hamilton, man. This is very true. Lewis, man, I mean, Lewis should have given him a bit more room. Like, Jesus Christ. But Alex, I feel like you're, you're, you're very happy because Lando Norris, the young man. Lando Norris. Finished well. He finished for uh, finished fourth, but because of Lewis Hamilton, finished on a podium, third place. Love him. Twenty-year-old Lando Norris finished in third place. I really feel like he took command the same way Lando took command of the Falcon at the yeah, end of man. Episode Five. I really hope his parents named him Lando after Lando. <laughs> And I'm gonna. I think half the reason I like Lando Norris, besides the fact he has a personality, it's just really fun to yell Lando. And guys, we talked about P1 and P3, but your boy Charles Leclerc brings home P2 for Scooter A for I. He That's proved that he proved himself. <laughs> I, I don't think I uh, the Ferrari car. It, it didn't. It did not, it did not look good. Wow. No, it didn't. Somehow Vettel, no. Vettel finished tenth. Thankfully, he got some points. But the the spinarella, what do they call Vettel? Like the spinarella or something? It's a whole joke with him. He had a pretty brutal spin out that Sebastian Vettel. But hey, Charles Leclerc, he's what a handsome man. The eyes of a Greek god has Charles Leclerc. I love that guy. Not a good day for Red Bull. No, <laughs> no. no, it was not. No. That puts them in such a tricky position because everyone, a lot of people um, were saying, you know, this could be Red Bull's chance to make a push with this, the cap, the spending cap coming and now the spending cap being pushed a year. But, you know, Max not finishing the race, Albon finishing in 13th. It puts the or twelfth. I don't remember exactly where oh, it finished, 13th, but thirteenth. Yeah. It puts the team in a like in the constructors wise. It puts them in a really poor situation because how many times over the next? Well, right now I think there's seven more races. How many times is Mercedes gonna do end up like that? Having no points, let alone one of Hamilton or Bottas not scoring the points and losing their position in the driver's championship. I don't know. It, it seems like such a poor start to the season, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, quite a few races left. But you know who did push? Pierre Gasly. Yes. He did it. Ah, no. He listened to Christian Horner. He 
when they say push, he pushed, even though Christian Horner wasn't in his ear this time. Only took him another year. So in a seventh. Yeah. Pretty good. Hey, for, for, for Alphatari, that's nothing to be, especially when after, um, after Kvyat went out. And what even makes it worse for Red Bull, too, is we saw twice in this Grand Prix, despite two safety cars, there were two different points where the Mercedes, Mercedes were leading by more than 10 seconds. So, and it gets, it's one-way race, and I'm not a mess. Like, this is the first season, Alex. I mean, Daniel and I are really getting to F1. But if Red Bull, sorry, if Mercedes can show up to the Red Bull ring, and be that dominant. You can only imagine that the only other, you know, sort of squad that's going to be up there is Red Bull. And Alex, you're right. Not getting any points out of this race could be a disaster for Red Bull. But I mean, yeah. Verstappen still is arguably one of the one of the best drivers in the world right now. I'm interested to see what happens next weekend mm-hmm. at the same at the same uh, track. Mm-hmm. Because if because I know they were Mercedes were having gearbox issues, yes. uh, especially on the on the on the curbs and how they deal with that. Because if they have issues again and Verstappen is racing, like the Red Bull car, yes, the Mercedes car is like far ahead of the Red Bull, but no offense to Alex Albon. Alex Albon is no Max Verstappen. And we saw it at the beginning of the race, like Verstappen was pushing hard. And if, if his car, if if there weren't issues with the hydraulics and and then the brakes and whatever else was going on, I I think that race would have been a lot more competitive for Bottas and Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, we'll continue to keep uh, an eye out. We have another Grand Prix still in, in Hungary, um, Austria, Austria. Hungary's after. Yeah, sorry, I don't know why I said Hungary. Very different places. Uh, it's not. The, is it the? Ex, it's not the exact same course, or is it? Yeah, yeah. they're doing oh. the same thing in Britain uh, at Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and we'll, we'll we'll keep talking about that. One programming note we should probably mention here on the show. Um, until there is a time, probably when the playing round starts for the NHL, or unless there is a week where it is suitable to do this. We're going from two episodes a week down to one now. Um, again, if there is some sort of massive news, we'll gladly do an emergency podcast like we did with the mm-hmm. Um Yeah, but just for now, it's for the sake of the show. I think Bizarre Adventures is laid back as they were. They kind of felt like nothing shows towards the end of it. And sometimes I was like, I don't really, no offense, guys. I didn't want to watch the Lego movie. <laughs> I don't think you guys really wanted to watch Nightmare Before Christmas, right? We did it because we're your friend. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it was starting to cause a bit of issues with Daniel and I going back and forth about um, Jurassic Park. <laughs> All I did was tag Daniel in one picture, and yeah. it's like the end of the world. I'm like, what did I do? Yeah. I felt but so I bad. It was all love, don't worry. It was. Guys, um, today is a special day. It is the return of the pop quiz. Oh, okay, there it is. I thought, I, thought, I thought you were going to like trick us like 20 minutes in, but I guess no. we're going to hear it now. I texted you guys saying last night there might be a pop, pop quiz, there might not be. So what I want both of you to do right now is, because we're not in person, it's a bit difficult. Um, go to Instagram and have your message messenger to me, not the show, but to me on okay. Instagram. By the way, ladies and gentlemen. Is it an F1 Pop quiz. It is a draft lottery slash first overall quiz. 
Now, guys, um, while you guys are just getting set up, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I'll my phone. if you want to check out, you should check out all our social medias. I'm on Instagram as Adam.F-L-O-U-J-E-H. Alex is on Instagram as Alex, H-A-N-I-M-Y to the A to the N, okay? And then Dan right. on the Dan, Mike, 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 Mike. Why it's all you... down below. It's all down below. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you should also check out the YouTube channel for a visual experience of the podcast. Okay, guys. So do you both have your messenger ready to send to yeah. me, right? On yeah. Instagram? Yeah. Excuse me. That's how you'll be sending your answers. Okay? I, f- I figured. Okay. Um, and please don't cheat. Um, okay. You know, <laughs> Might cheat. Don't be Ferrari all of last season with that engine. That's a crack. Okay, guys. Question number one, and I'm going to give you like ten seconds to answer this. Okay. That's so sure. How many times? Oh, by the way, um, this all your answers. We're going to take away this year's draft because we don't know what's happening yet. Okay. Okay. So that includes what we know so far about picks two through eight. Oh, okay. Just so you know, take out this draft for all your answers. Okay. Okay. Question number one. How many times since 2009 have the Edmonton Oilers selected first overall? Guys, as you know, why the lads are answering, the Edmonton Oilers might be the worst team to possibly win Alexis Lafreniere. Both of you instantly said four, and you're both right. <laughs> um, okay. There was a McDavid, goal- Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Nail Yakupov. Yes, exactly. They, um, if we look at the exact article I have here. It should have been five, to be honest. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Why? Because they got Leon Dreisaitl? Yeah, it it feels like it. In 2010, 11, 12, in succession, they drafted Taylor Hall, Brian Newtalk, and Nail Yakupov. And in 2015, Connor McDavid. You may have heard of that. Yeah, you can't argue that they deserve this year's first overall pick. You can't. Deserve 2012. I legitimately try to convince myself that was the case. Like, I'm, because I was writing for my blog about the three teams that people would hate and i was talking about the edmonton oilers and i'm sitting there i'm writing okay they won three first overall picks in a row they have and then they won mcdavid and they've made the playoffs twice with the best player mm-hmm. of his generation all right uh, let's let's move on get with out the of here um edmonton uh, by the way later on in the show ladies and gentlemen what we'll be doing is um alex had a great idea we're going to be looking at each Canadian team and doing a deep dive on how the flat cap for the next few years is going to affect them. But anyway, you're both up 1-1 right now. Congratulations, guys. Get out of here, Daniel. Question number two. What is the record for most spots moved up to select first overall? So that means how many spots or the most amount of spots a team has moved up in the lottery to select first overall? And Daniel has already messaged me back. Jesus Christ, Daniel, that was quite quick. I can't remember. I, I might be um, wrong. Though. I'm just throwing a number. Uh, throwing a number. I think it's got to be high. I know. What? Uh, I know it's. Ha- I know it's a high wait, number. Wait, Daniel, what did you say? Did you just throw it out there? Oh, I just threw it out there. I said eight. Okay, so it's funny you say that. So the answer is actually five. Oh, okay. But the record for a moving up in the lottery, according to this article, I'm looking at. The Devils moved up eight spots. Oh, that's what I was remembering for Adam Larson. Yeah. 2011, but there was a rule where you can only move <clears throat> four spots or something. By the way, um, why is that not a thing right now? Also, the Blackhawks moved up eight spots in the 1999 draft. They so, put 12. Yeah, you, Alex said 12. I, I don't know. But I wonder, I think it would be, 
you might be right if Winnipeg had actually been a team right now instead of the play-in because I think they were 13th. I, I, I thought for some reason I'm thinking about that draft where uh, – so New Jersey, Philly, and Dallas. And I remember Philly and Dallas were relatively uh, – they were Philly, close to the playoffs and they moved yeah. up a lot. And I don't know why I picked 12. Philly was, I believe, 15th. So they were the best team to miss the playoffs <clears throat> that year. I remember very, I was very upset that draft. And yeah, they moved up second to like, uh, two select Nolan Patrick. Question number three, you're both tied 1-1. Since 2010, guys, how many defensemen have been selected first overall? And if you can name them also, I'll give you an extra point. So, so again, more than one. Is um, there more than one? I can't say that. I don't. <laughs> um... Um, no, no, so, yeah, there is, there is. There is? All right, well, Alex, hopefully you can get your answer in 10, 9. I, I'm writing it out. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm... 7, 6, yeah. 5, 4. Congratulations, both of you are correct. It's been two. Of course, we had Rasmus Dahlin and Aaron Ekblad, respectfully. I'm just going to get the exact dates up for accuracy. Aaron Ekblad in 2014, Rasmus Dahlin in two. 2018. So congratulations. You both have four points. I'm realizing I may have made this a bit too easy. Um, okay. This is one I really, really loved when I, I never knew this. Question number four. The Washington Capitals, of course, moved up from third to first in 2004 to select Alexander Ovechkin. Yep. But which team originally had the number one seed in that draft? This is fascinating trivia for me so please try and get it uh, and you'll else? The answer. Uh, probably wrong i don't know Eight. okay i'm just gonna throw a team out there again i i don't know i'm just thinking who is bad if you want dan daniel sent me his answers okay so I alex you have said atlanta daniel has said pittsburgh and daniel is right it was the pittsburgh penguins the year before they drafted Sidney Crosby originally had the best shot at Alexander Ovechkin. Oh, could you imagine how mad they were during 04? And then they got rewarded in 05 with arguably one of the best players of all time. I thought that was very fascinating. How about you guys? So Dan, what, like, uh, okay, was, I close? was I at least close or was Atlanta semi-good? I don't know exactly where Atlanta mm. were there. But what year were, was it? We're going to search this up. Oh, they took a Boris Valobic, I believe. And then they traded him and Rich Peverly to the Bruins for Blake Wheeler and wow. Mark Stewart. I remember that. All right. Close, close, close everything right now. Okay. I guess this is the, one more question. Uh, I was close. Okay. The 1999 draft is famous for then GM Vancouver. Sorry, the. The Vancouver Canucks then GM Brian Burke wheeling and dealing his way to select the Sedin Twins second and third overall. However, Patrick Stephan was first overall. Who drafted him? Patrick Stephan, whose most famous clip of his career was missing an empty nether. Daniel has sent me his answer. I genuinely don't know if this is right, but we're going with it. Okay. Alex, you have said Dallas... Daniel, you have said Atlanta. Is it Atlanta? It is. I thought he traded with Atlanta. He was drafted by Atlanta, and then he ended up in Dallas. I thought he scored that famous. 
garbage goal. I thought Burke. Tra- oh, whatever. I'm wrong. Whatever. I thought I thought Burke traded with Atlanta to get one was it, of those picks. Wasn't it whatever. the Lightning pick? It was like second, and then it went like I mean, you're right. Tam- Tampa tra- like traded down. Yeah, yeah. It was Tampa, and I think he made another trade with Chicago. It's a whole thing. Damn it's a it. Whole- but congratulations, Daniel. You have won by a score of six to five. How do you feel? Oh, good. You know, it's pretty good close. You know, you got pucks deep. Got the bounces tonight. Yeah. Well, you yeah. I, would you like to dedicate this win to someone special? Yes. To who? To Alex Albon. No. I was hoping you'd say that. Yes. He has a few more races left in him. You know, he keeps winning your heart, man. Like, he drives a Honda Civic Type R as his daily driving car in England. You got to love it. All right. Okay, guys, um, I, my first note here is the Austrian Grand Prix. We can talk about it again. Anyway, guys, first of all, um, a very heartwarming thing to start the show with. A huge congratulations to Oscar Kleffbaum, forward for the Philadelphia Flyers. He's finished oh, his career. Sorry, you said, uh, you said Oscar Kleffbaum. It's Oscar Lindbaum. Lindbaum. Sorry, sorry. No problem. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. But seriously, um, Oscar Lindbaum. Lindbaum? Lindbaum. Yes. Don't no, yeah. say Lindbaum, I promise you. I just okay. No problem. I feel bad. I don't want to mess with that because seriously, um, I'm so happy. There's a certain phrase I used to say on the podcast, but now since we're on voice ed, I can't really say it because and I just remember. But there's a very where a descriptive word I'd like to say to cancer. Um, but I'll just say it's it sucks. And um, I'm about you guys, but I'm so happy. It's such a great yeah, story. They are. And I For think sure. even his wife said, "My my man's cancer free," and it's so. It's so That's awesome. I thought it was great when, um, you know, despite the treatments, he still came for the team photo. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, you know, the think was a big part of that Flyers team's rally towards the end of the season was for him. And we saw the Rangers in 2014. Um, Marty St. Louis was not being stopped in that playoff run to my half chagrin. Um, and that was the same year he had lost his mother, and it felt like the Rangers really rallied around there, ultimately falling short against the, the Kings. But um, you wonder if this just gives the Flyers a bit more oomph when it comes to the playoffs um, because they're a good team. They've got goaltending. They've got some good scoring. Uh, and, yeah. But, guys, uh, we're going to talk about a bit about next season. Um, per Pierre Lebrun, the NHL are still going for an 82-game regular season for the 2021 season, starting with you. I'll start with Daniel on here, right? Because I already know what Alex is going to say. Um, but Daniel, let me ask you this. Let's say the play-in happens as, as, as it should be. We have a deep playoff run. And then let's say it goes till October. And then end of December, beginning of January, we come and have an 82-game season. What effect, what strain is that going to have on a player's body? <clears throat> a lot. I don't know. It just to really condense that. It's, it seems like a baseball schedule, but, you know, a lot more intensity. Um, I don't know how they're really going to manage it, especially because I think, like, I we think about what they're doing now, expanded rosters. That's something to put into consideration. But, like, how is that going to look, like, if you condense the schedule? Like, you're going to carry four goalies with you and well, use, the, use them like pitchers? You're not going to have the all-star game. You're not going to uh-huh. have the bye week. That's for sure. Yeah, they can't afford to have any of that. A lot more back-to-backs. A lot more back-to-backs, yeah. It's going to look a lot like 
you know, they, they condensed soccer, right? So usually you're playing one game a week. And then if you're playing in the middle of the week, it, it could be a cup game. It could be Champions League, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we're going to see a lot more condensed where there's going to be a lot more back-to-backs. And I don't really know if you're going to get a whole lot of days off. I always thought this thing is they, they've done in the NBA, you know, for, you know, Kawhi Leonard load management. Yeah. Um, I always thought like, would there, did NHL ever do that where, you know, you watch a team and their star players not no. there? Uh, and I can tell you exactly why. Because why they're that? too, they're too macho. Yeah. <laughs> too manly. They should have been doing like, there's no reason, um, Patrick Marlowe should play an 82 game season. There's zero reason. Uh, there's zero reason that if, Ju- like, let's say Justin Williams signed uh, and he, he, at the beginning of October, there was no reason that he was playing 82 games. Mm-hmm. Right? Someone like Jason Spezza, no reason he should play an 82 game schedule. Or a two game, like he shouldn't play eighty two games in a season. That's a that's a funny thing. Sorry, I just thought of the Last Dance. Um, the same thing Michael Jordan kind of said, where uh, they're like this guy even in preseason games, like you know, like those celebration games, like when you go to you travel through Europe. This guy still went hard, like it was the NBA Finals, because he's like, you know, there's like, there's kids in the crowds that you know they might not. This might be the only time they get to see Michael Jordan play. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in no matter what. I think it's a really back and forth type conversation because you make a good point, right? Like if I'm, if I'm the, if I'm a Leafs fan and I go watch and I'm spending $200 per ticket to sit in the, in the three hundreds. Yeah. Like I, I do want to see Austin Matthews. I do want to see John Tavares play. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, there's an issue, right? And I think that was something they they talked about a lot about the NBA. Yeah, uh, when with Kawhi, especially this year, and I know it was it was talked about last year, saying like, "Listen, man, like tickets aren't cheap, no. right? Uh, especially here, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, even the, I mean, they're not as expensive, but even MLS tickets are are increasing." in price year after year, year after year. And then you look at the science and says, okay, like there's certain players. Do they really have to play every single game? Mm -hmm. Like, do they have to play both games of a back-to-back? Maybe not. Well, um, but quickly that you talked about was hockey culture. Yeah. That, but before we move on, just like my issue with, Hmm? My issue with the 82 games, it's not necessarily between, it's not this year and next year, the timing between it, right? Because it's supposed to end in October. Then there's going to be the draft. There's going to be free agency and they're going to start in January. So I don't know if that's my issue. I think my issue is next year and the year after. Because they're talking about going to the Winter Olympics in 2022. And in my opinion, I think both those, both those, um, both the players and the league are not going to, I think they're going to regret doing that because the players are going to be literally exhausted. So you're going to start in January and when are you going to end in July, July or August? And then what you're going to start when you're going to start in October, November. 
Well, there there has been talk that they, and I think for another day that they want to maybe change the season, like because the like the MLB and certainly not the MLB, but the NHL and NBA don't like going against the uh, NFL during certain times. But like I get, it. yeah, there's there's so many logistical things there. Well, you just wonder, like also like there. I always have this thought with hockey that man, if you have all this free agency stuff in the late parts of the year, like fall winter time here. Man, families are going to get so screwed having to move at the beginning of a year or a beginning yeah. of a school year, right? Um, but hey, players, players, players. Um, talk about free agents. Alex Petrangelo is a big free agent, right, guys? He'll be yes. one we keep talking about. He's, of course, the captain of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, they've had, they had to cancel practices because they had three players and a coach uh, test positive for COVID-19. And yeah. there was a report from the scores where I first saw it. Yeah. Apparently, they were out at a bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did you want to go or do you want I'm, me to I'm go? Not gonna, I'm not going to do the whole thing. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say, this is all I'll say. Um, idiots, like, like, especially like normal person, like going out, having the mask and that, I get it. But like when you're an NHL player, like I'm obviously going to be more critical, but I think like I made my 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 points well enough yes. last season. Sorry, last episode. That I'm just saying. Like all I'll say is make better decisions. You That's know just- what the issue I have? Like you know what? I'm a human. I understand you have urges to go out. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I have not left my house in three and a half months. I'm not. I'm. I. I can't tell you that because then I'd be a liar. But when you know you're starting training camp and you need to go into a bubble, you're telling me the smart choice was to go to a bar. Like the same thing goes with Jake Vertanen. I don't know if you saw the video of Jake Vertanen. No. What I, at a club or whatever. I don't know where he, uh-huh. where he lives. If you know you're going to do this, then no, like then you don't go, right? Because you know that you're potentially jeopardizing the thing, the season. If you got it by going to a grocery store with your mask on and I needed to go get groceries, that's one thing, right? Like people need to go get food. But to go to a bar or go to a club inside, especially inside, like I, I don't have, I don't have sympathy mm-hmm. for uh, that, right? Daniel, what do you think? Because last week I was re-listening to the episode from last week. Uh, so <laughs> Alex and I, we definitely, uh, we we were very, we had a very passionate discussion. So what, what do you make of a little setback for the Blues? And how much yeah. worse does it make it? Sorry, you're oh, And how much worse does it make it that this report about them being, you know, spending some time at a bar make this look? I don't know. It's just it's what we talked about before. It's like it's so irresponsible. Um, it's kind of things where you know there's so many measures that are being in place that I don't know. This comes from like unnecessary privilege in a way. Just that they think they're immune to this. That it's like a kind of thing where they only see what's around them, not the repercussions of what's going to happen once they enter that bubble. Mm-hmm. That we, yeah, sorry. what you bring in, no problem. Uh, that you know, that's it's just something where it's like you know. Yeah, this you're a hockey player, athlete, but you don't take your job seriously, and you know don't be an idiot and go to a bar. Mm-hmm. You know who I have to shout shout out? 
Formula One who tested over 4,000 people and had zero. Had really? zero. Yeah. Four thousand. If I'm the NHL, if I'm the NBA, uh, I'm calling whoever the hell runs Formula One and says, hey, um, so what are you putting in place? Because you're traveling Europe. See, They're that's going- very true. Measures in Europe as well compared to the U.S. We're talking about 750 people in one city. There are 4,000 people, uh, media, drivers, staff, literally everyone traveling from Austria. And in two weeks, they're going to go to Hungary. And then they're going to go to Britain. And then I think they're going to Belgium. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, before they started the, the race day and you see everyone, you know, they're on the track getting ready. I was thinking like, man, that is, that is very scary. But you hear about the FIA, I think I believe he was the FIA president doing um, an interview with someone from Sky. Um, and he was talking about, yeah, you know, I got tested before I do this interview. I'm going to be tested afterwards. And knowing that, that they had that good of test results is, um, I love Europe, you know, just wanted to put that out there. Um, but, you know, um, a big thing around the world, especially here in North America, has been, you know, uh, people trying to make change for the better. And it looks like we're definitely getting that. There have been some sports franchises that are having some discussions when it comes to name changes. Um, first of all, the NFL's Washington team. I, I'm not going to name any. I'm not going to say the name of any of these teams, by the way. Just fair warning. So the NFL's Washington team, who has been under pressure for a very long time to change their name, are reviewing a name change. The same with the MLB's Cleveland team. And there was the CFL's Edmonton team were also doing it, but they had some sort of... Um, they were actually doing something. An engagement program where they talked to leaders of like um, the in, uh, the Yellow Knife equally. I, can I know I'm up. not going to say all I can pull actually, it up. You can't, yeah, so they, they've actually... We'll talk about the Ed, Edmonton in a second though, but what do you guys make, starting with you, Daniel... That it looks like Cleveland and especially Washington are finally changing their names, or at least look. But it, it, saying that there is a review pretty much means they're going to change it. Yeah, I hear like there's been rumblings about this the last few years, but now there's been like more concrete, I get ac- actions to try to you know really kind of tackle this, kind of show like you know on the owner side, you know, okay, this is what we're willing to do. And I don't know we've talked about it so many times here on the show, but it just you know puts another kind of I guess spotlight and go like, all right, NHL, Chicago, what are you guys going to think about this? So what, what actually is the story with the Blackhawks one? Cause I thought it was our, after like an army regiment type thing. Well, the logo would not tell yeah. you. That. Okay. Just right? I, I believe you, right? Like I, that could be mm-hmm. the story, but then don't yeah. have the logo like that. Right. That's... Yeah, hands in the air. I, I just, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that was a very fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's again, and I'm not defending the Blackhawks at all here. It's not as bad as Cleveland's, and the same, but at the same time, um, that, that's, that's pretty bad. It looks a lot more similar to Washington's, which is uh, Cleveland. I remember um, they said they were not going to use the uh, I forgot the mascots. Yeah, name didn't, they, anymore. Uh, didn't they get rid of the, their logo on their jerseys and they changed their logo? Did they? Yeah, not? It's, it's just like the C now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still have the name itself, which is yeah. Man, and if there's a group of people that's going to know a lot about that kind of stuff, I think it would be Ryerson students like us who 
Like, say what you want. Like, Ryerson needs to change their name and take down the Egerton Ryerson statue. Like, that is, everyone is very strong about that. <laughs> but Ryerson, have, like, the journalism program in first year and second year have made a very strong effort to tell us about Indigenous peoples and, like, just how much we really screwed them. Um, uh, I, in my I think we've learned a lot about how to cover Indigenous nations. I, I don't know if we've learned about like i think we've learned i i the stuff that history wise i talked about in school right you know what i mean like yeah it's like i agree that we've learned about how to cover it i don't know if they've taught us anything extra well we did have the committee it was i forget there some of them were professors they came in first year and they told oh, it was our first story day right I think it was, yeah, and then yeah. they gave us a lot of background about that stuff. Yeah, um, the CPA yeah. on that. <laughs> come, was come on, the Daniel. primary focus that, yes, but at the same time, I think like, they did make an effort to try and give yeah, us some yeah. background. Um, also, I think, sorry, I should have mentioned this, that also, like, I've taken a bunch of, I'm doing an English minor, right? And, like, through there, like, I've read stuff like Indian Horse and that, which is gives you, like, stuff about residential schools and that, so. Yeah. But, like, Ryerson as a whole. Yeah. It's hard to give them credit because it's like change your damn name, but like they professors have tried. Yeah, I think some like I took a, it was called History of Toronto mm-hmm. or Geography of Toronto, not History, Geography of Toronto. And the, the prof is really like we, we had multiple lectures mm-hmm. talking about the, the history of Tor- Toronto. So, what does the name Toronto come from? I know we should, I should know that. Daniel, why would you ask me that question? I'm sorry. Don't I pretend. That. Don't. <laughs> I mean, listen, man, I could find my, my notes and you give me. Okay. Adam can keep going. I'll find my Lecture notes. Lecture one. What is Toronto? Yeah, what? Why don't we pronounce the second T? That's what I want to know. Oh, Toronto. Um, even if I make an effort, I sometimes it's like, no, Toronto sounds dumb. Toronto. So this is random, but I remember it from, uh, oh man, what's that movie with uh, Jurassic Park? Ben Affleck in it. The accountant. No, he's the director. Um, it's losing me right now. It's during the Batman. Uh, Batman. Not Batman. <laughs> it's uh, when he has to uh, get um, American embassy workers out of Iran. Oh, oh, oh my God! It's it's the one about the. I watched this in English class. It was yes. one, there, there's the group of Canadians, right? Who are yeah. part of it? Uh, and then far. Argo, Fargo, Argo, Argo, Argo. Argo. Yes, yeah, I just remember one part in it where um, they have to tell the American people, like, you have to say you're Canadian, and like, okay, where are you from? I'm from Toronto. It's like, no, you don't say the last T, or they're gonna know. Yeah. Toronto. <laughs> it's like Detroit and Detroit. That's uh, it's Detroit. just like one of those. How do you say it? Detroit or Detroit? I say Detroit. Detroit. I have a friend that says Detroit. Then they're dumb. Then they're wrong. Whoa, they're just wrong. They're just wrong. The dirty water. I've been drinking lead-filled water for ever now. Um, guys, do we want to go into the deep dive now? Let's do it. Okay. All right, guys. So, as we teased earlier in the show, we are going to go through each Canadian team, and we are going to look at their cap space, look at how much they have, some future contracts that we have to sign, and how this flat cap is overall going to affect these teams. We're going to start with the teams the lowest cap it and make our way up, starting with the Ottawa Senators, who currently have $7 million in cap space, but... These are some UFAs that they're going to have. They're going to have $4 million from Mikael Bodker, three point five from Ron Hainsey, yeah. four point seven from Craig Anderson, and a combined $10.45 from Ryan Callahan and Clark MacArthur. 
and they will have Marion Hosa on LTIR. Thank God. So in total, they'll have $39 million in cap space uh, going into next season. They're going to use it to resign Mikhail Bodker. I mean, you know, I think I look at there's three guys who really pop out on to me um, going into next year, and that's Tierney, Brown, and Duclair. And what do you do with those guys? I mean, I think Tierney. Well, sorry, it was Tierney, Brown, and who? Duclair. Well, I think you try and keep Duclair. Like, yeah, I, I think, think you try and keep all of, like at least Brown and Duclair. For I think sure. give them like reasonable offers. I think like these guys that you know, they they kind of fit the culture really well. See where they can be placed somewhere around the top nine for now. But if they're if they try to just cash it in, just let them walk. I think like if, if I had to choose one of them to like go, it would probably be Chris Tierney. I, I like I get it. You know I just look at Duclair and I think man that's a guy who he's found success here. Why not keep him? Um, and then you know, Connor Brown's a guy who's been around. And it's weird because he's not the oldest guy, but you know he was with Toronto for their rebuild and you know, the start of, their, of them really turning into um, you know a competitive team. Yeah. Say what you want about them, but like they are one of the better teams in the league. And he was part of that. And I just think I really like downtown Connor Brown. I really. Yeah. Do. And you look at what uh, what Ottawa has in down the in the center on their center depth. Sorry. Uh, you know, you look at, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> you look at a guy like, you know, Josh Norris who played a few games uh, with the senators. You look, they have Logan Brown. Um, who am I missing here? Uh, Drake Batherson, Philip, Philip Chalapic, Colin White, who's been playing, who's played in the NHL. And, and then you look at, Oh man, they got the third overall pick this year. Uh, and, and that's probably going to be one of Byfield or Tim Stutzel, Stutzla, Stutzla, sorry, right? So that's another center right there. And, you know, what is Chris Tierney? Like, wh- what's his ceiling? You know, he's he's twenty, he's 26 right now. Like, he's probably your third-line center. But would you rather pay him or would you rather collect some LTIR and play your – Play your um, your young guys. Play your young guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kinda agree. Same thing. Um, I really thought you know when Dylan DeMello got dealt to Winnipeg, I thought Chris Tierney was on his way out as well. Like so, it was kind of a bit of a surprise to me that you know like the Sens weren't just gonna like unload this guy for another asset. I think they could at the at the deadline. I, I'm not the deadline at the draft. Whenever that uh, may be, you know, he's an RFA. Yeah, he's arbitration eligible. But there's teams who could use a, a middle six center. People love adding depth and warm bodies at the deadline. Yeah. And, and, and I think, uh, unless you guys have more to say about um, the, their next year, 2020, 2020 and 2021, uh, you know, their defense, okay, got to resign Ron Hainsey, uh, Mark Boriecki. I, I don't know if you necessarily bring back Mark Boriecki. Um, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know if you bring back Ron Hainsey, but I do think you bring back Mark Boriecki. Just your captain. Yeah. Um, you look at, uh, you know, they got Eric Brandstrom, Christian Yaros, Maxime Lajoie. These are all guys who can step, step into the NHL. Like, I don't think Ottawa is going to be this great team n- next year. 
Uh, I, I think we're at least giving it a few years. You look at Lassie Thompson, um, plus, you know, who are they going to take at that fifth overall pick? You Do you have Jamie Drysdale available? You look at Jake Sanderson. What, what are you doing there? I think that's another question. But I think, you know, you don't really have to bring back Ron Hainsey, but I do think Mark Boriecki, and then you can fill in those guys with some of your younger, mm-hmm. um, younger defensemen. They're also going to have a lot. Like say you like take on, you can bring a, a bad contract into the draft. They're going to have enough space. They could probably do it during the year trade deadline. Yeah. Um, but then I also wonder how many of those deals are you going to bring in depending on the salary itself of Eugene, but like, let's just say perfect scenario, which never really is around the Suns, but they really do have the room where they can really flex their cab muscles here. And not just for this year, they could probably do it next year too, because they're not going to be like, they might be a fun team, but I don't see them being competitive for us. And and, you know, I I wonder what they do with their goaltending situation. Uh, Craig Anderson's up. Uh, obviously, at the end of whenever the the end of this season is, and in the minors you got De- Joey Decord, Philip Gu- and Philip Gustafson, and you have Anders Nielsen signed for this year and next year, and Marcus Hoberg. So you're moving forward with Hoberg and Nielsen. Is that Ottawa's plan? Just let them play until you find other opportunities along the way. I think. Yeah, because it seemed like they liked Hogberg, um, and we haven't heard much else. Like, I don't know. Like, you really think Craig? If Craig Anderson doesn't resign in Ottawa, I really think that might be it for Anderson. He takes on an advisory role or something with management. Yeah, yeah I'm get sick of Eugene and Leafs. But, I mean, um, this, the Sens, uh, always a team. They've got some potential there. They've got great young guys. They've got yeah. cap space. You can do a lot there. <clears throat> and uh, even the year after, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anisimov, that's, a, that's another guy. Okay, maybe you re-sign him. Maybe you trade him. I, I don't know what the, their intentions are. Um, but that's a guy. Like, they don't have, they don't have a – first line center yet you know i think what the guy they take at the the draft this year could potentially be that guy but they need someone to fill that spot anisimov isn't a first line center but you're not going to go out there and get a proper first line center Uh, Uh, right Uh, and then brady kachuk is the big one i think what do you do with brady kachuk Mm -hmm. um try and sign him i mean shabbat Stayed. That's good. That's a big thing for them. Yeah, the fact that you sign Shabbat and you have and Colin White sign long term, I think, are really good moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we move on from the Suns though? Uh, sure. Okay. We don't. All right. Next, we have just kind of Jim the Morial. Right now, they have four point five million dollars in cap space. Um, but by the end of the year, Dale Weiss 2.3 will be gone. And a combination of 3.36 mil from Marco Scandella, Ilya Kovalchuk, and do you remember Steve Mason's buyout is out this Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, which we all forget about, but that's how they got Yellow Armia. Um, looking at the Habs, it's right now the priority is Max Domi. Um, Victor Mate right now is not going to get anything special. He's not. If, if there's a comparable to a deal he might get, I'm going to say Travis Dermott, really. Um, but looking at generally, when they have cap space, 
Um, yeah. I'm not going to, I don't know if they're going to do it, but the, the big question I see contract wise for the Habs is next year is a very big question mark because you have Brennan Gallagher, who you have to, you have to, I've been very on the record. You have to keep him. Yeah. And Philip Deneau, who is coming off a sweetheart deal, making $3 million. Then you also have a cherry luck and it won't be that much. Jordan Wheel, I would be amazed if he's back. Like, sorry, he'll, he has another year on this deal. But then you have the questions of Jeff Petrie and Tomas Tatar. Now, whether they can keep those guys, I'm not that concerned about. Because by then, you're going to have Montreal are a team that you should have young guys coming in. And besides, Jeff Petrie, he's already 32. So by the end of this, he'll be 33, 34. Do you really want it if you bring him back? And also, like, we should probably, for the record, talking about any sort of contracts going forward, it's very difficult to talk about what the market's going to look like. But, I, I mean, they have the room. So they're going to have about 10 mil to try and bring in back Gallagher and Deneau. And looking like, and I mean, what does Deneau get, right? I'm thinking, like, at least between four and five, and I think he's worth that. You don't think and, he pushes for more? Like, <clears throat> the fact that this year he got – he like a lot of people were saying, okay, this guy's getting selkie votes, and he, he's how old? Uh, he's twenty seven. Like he's in his prime, mm-hmm. right? And you think next year he takes another step? Uh, you don't think it gets more than five million dollars? No, because offensively, I don't think Phil Deneau is going to take another step. I mean, like forty, fifty points, I think is the best the guy's going to do. I mean, yeah, he's a great two-way forward, but he's not a Sean Couturier when it comes to, like, he doesn't have the ability to score 30 goals. Right. Um, the reason I say between four and five is because I'm thinking the Pajot kind of comparison here. Um, okay. But, I, like, Deneau's not the best finisher in the world. The guy has had some pretty gnarly goalless droughts over the past few years with the Canadians. Um, I don't think they're in a terrible position. Um, for the next three years especially, but it's just, I, I start wondering about after that, because eventually the price deal is going to catch up with you. But like looking at the next three years, I don't think it's a problem, especially because you still have young guys like Nick Suzuki, for example. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, he won't, his contract won't be due to 2023. So you should be. And again, by then you're going to have, you know, possibly Petrie's deal off the books. Um, by then you will finally have Carl Osner out the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Which I forgot about. Yeah. Until I just saw him and how he existed. By then, Kulak will be gone. Chirot. The one thing when I look, I'm sorry, I'm talking a whole lot here. I'm just realizing is that it's excited by your team. They like. I'm realizing by the time all this ends, a lot of Montreal's guys won't be around. Like half their defensemen have two years left after yeah. this. A lot of forwards and the guys who have the most term, Paul Byron. Jonathan Druin, and then Price and Weber, your most important guys. Yeah. Uh, the name that interests me the most, because he had such a good rookie, he had a good rookie year, and then his sophomore year was so on and off, is Kotkaniemi. Like, what do, you, what, what do you do with Kotkaniemi in terms of, okay, takes a bridge deal, or do you sign him long-term thinking the amount of steps that he can take? I say bridge deal. Um, I I still think he's. I know Adam has a lot more info on this, but I still think he's in a kind of prove prove it situation. Like prove me wrong. Yeah. Not a Kevin LeBanc situation per se, <laughs> but it's like I don't know. It's like a 
it's like a Kucherov Subban type of like kind of thing where it's like you know it's a high end guy that you know he has the potential but you know prove it to me first. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, I was just gonna say I think all these things start to add up. Like, I so I don't I didn't hear you cut out for me for a sec. So I don't know if what you said about Thomas Sitar in terms of re-signing him or not re-signing him, but that's like 4.8. And if he has another season like he did this year, he's going to get a raise. The same goes like Brendan Gallagher is going to get a raise no matter what. Mm-hmm. Max Domi is going to get a raise. Phil Deneau is going to get a raise. And then, you know, Lekkanen, I, I don't know what you do with Lekkanen, probably somewhere around the same. Yeah, right. So it just feels like all these things are adding up. Then you have to do Nick Suzuki. Then you have to do... Kinyemi, and, and then I feel like it's just going to add up. Well, I think regardless, Kotkinemi is going to get, like, I'm agreeing with you, Daniel. He's getting a bridge deal. Because yeah. even if he comes out and has a fantastic year, there's just been too many ups and downs. Right? For sure. They're going to they're gonna say, do it again. And again, my big thing is, does it add up? Yes, but I don't think they're in a terrible position because no. of what money will be on. Sorry. Yeah, I, sorry. For sure. So I, I, I didn't th- I didn't know for sure if you were saying the Habs are screwed or not. Um, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. No, I just have like one question. I think it's just when it comes to the money and you think of like term like how comfortable are you with this core? That's a really good question. Um I am the you know the big question is I don't know what the core will look like by the end, I don't like. I look at Montreal and I don't actually know is Tatar or Petrie quote unquote part of the core, because I think in th- in two three years this team is going to look very different. Um, you hope that Romanov will be part of the core. You hope that I, I think Jonathan Druin is is part of it. I'm going to tell you, Brendan Gallagher is part of it. Max Domi, I. Guy, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wouldn't be surprised if Max Domi's not happening in the next two years. There's just been so many you know, little whispers. There was one saying, oh, apparently he hates it. I don't believe that. Like, he's got that. Like, he doesn't like the, like the spotlight and the pressure. Like, shut up. But, like, I, I, I just – and I don't mean to keep, like, kind of side, you know, sidestepping your questions here. Guys, it's just I, I don't really – the only guys who are for sure a part of the core, in my opinion, are Weber, Price, Druin, and Gallagher. And Duneau, sorry. And Suzuki, but he's kind of young, so I don't really count him. So with those key guys, I love it. But from there... And Caulfield. It's just, and Caulfield, yeah. I just, again, he's still in the NCAA, so I don't really like to count him there. Um, but then you think, like, man, but what, who's going to replace Petrie in two years? I do wonder that. Um can Victor Mete take an offensive step, which he scored a goal this year? He scored a few, right? Yeah. Um, and you just hope that the rest of the young guys can come in. I, like, I think Nick Suzuki is going to be a star without a question. Like, I, If you yeah. talk to any Montreal reporter or anyone who's watched him play, he's going to be yeah. nasty. He's going to be yucky, as Mike would say. So, I kind of agree, too, what you kind of said about Max Domi. Like, with, I think that was something I was considering when we are looking at the cap situation, that uh, how comfortable do you feel with him being part of that core moving forward or whether or not you kind of move on from it. I like Max. It's just, uh, you wonder, think of it like this. Nick Suzuki was doing really well as a rookie center in the top six row, right? 
And the chemistry you have with a guy like Tomas starts wicked. Let me ask you guys this. Who would you rather have as your second-line center right now, Philip Deneau or Max Domi? Because I'm leaning towards Philip Deneau. I think because he has that – he has the ability to be that shut-down defenseman. I'm not defenseman. Shut-down centerman and mm-hmm. be, be that line that you throw out against a, for uh, a team's f- offensive juggernaut. I think I'd take – I think I'd take uh, Philip Deneau. Mm-hmm. Uh Daniel? Yeah, so I had this, like, funny some, uh, comparison. So with Philip Deneau, you kind of you, – you really know what you're getting with him when you put him in the lineup as you're, like, in the top six center. Um, I know, like, he's not the most offensive guy all the time, but he's – what I, he reminds me of is what everyone thought Brandon Sutter was from 2007 into 2014. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, and the reason I ask that is because I think Nick Suzuki, I think you're going to take him over Max. And then you have Phil Deneau. Uh, a young guy like Jake Evans is like best like case. He's a third line center. But then you have Jesperi Kotkinemi there as well. Um, and it just sometimes feels like, to me, that Max Domi is sometimes the odd one out. Um, so that, I didn't that's even why. Uh, mention Ryan Paling. Yeah, I, I purposely didn't mention no? Ryan Paling. He's okay. very forgettable. You're I mean, over, you're over Ryan Paling. Yeah. One game wonder. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll always remember that first game since I was at it. Um, but hey, the Habs, they're going to be interesting. I always say that. Um, I never quite know what Mark Bergerman's going to pull out. Yeah. Uh, like he yes. could, I think he could probably yes. take. Like, luckily, there's still a point where if you wanted this year to take on a bad deal. I think you can still do it for assets, but then again, it's just Montreal use it. And again, what's what's the joke? Mark Bergeron has been hoarding cap room for eight years. Um, I say I, now we move yeah. up. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think when I, what, what, what I was saying before was that I think a lot depends on the type of deals Bergeron sheds out because there's all these guys who are going to get raises, right? And mm-hmm. what type of raises they get is dependent on the contract that Mark Bergevin gives them. So right now they're in a great position, but if Mark Bergevin makes a string of wrong moves, they, it could be they could be put in a tough position. Especially considering, you know, like you said before, like those the Carey Price and Shea Weber deal, one wrong injury to Shea Weber, one wrong injury to Carey Price, completely changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Hey, um, one of those, the products of, talk about controversial GMs. Um, the guy in Chicago, good old Stan, uh, Stan Bowman, yeah. Mark Bergeron was, was a, a product of that. And another product of that GM system in, uh, in Chicago was Kevin Chevaldeal of the Winnipeg Jets right now. They have $3.72 million in cap space. Yeah. There is three point. Uh, sorry, 4.3 and 3.8 respectfully for Dmitry Kulikov and Cody Egan, who I did not know was a Jet, by the way. Um, but the big question for me is in a few years, Patrick Line is ready to be done. And he has kind of turned his play around, in my opinion. And even if Kulikov comes off your books, you need to put that money right back in your defense. Yeah, I- I'm looking at their the cap friendly page I have up here. So next season they'd have 15 and a half million and the year after they'd have 36. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think next year, you know, 
I'm looking at the, obviously they're cap friendly. Cody Eakins coming off the books. They got resigned Jack Roslevic, uh, and, and then they have the string of UFAs or plus Mason Appleton. Sorry, and they have the string of UFAs and like okay, uh, Nick Shore two-way deal like it's whatever he got this year kind of logan shaw <clears throat> mark latesu gabriel bork right and then like you're really gonna bring back those guys i think they could be ahl guys for you like you got a couple guys in in uh manitoba who could potentially come up for you uh you know looking at like some like christian Vesselin in or uh, David Gustafson. Mm-hmm. Until today, I did not realize how bad their con- some of their contracts are. Man, I know people like Blake Wheeler. Um, that deal is a mess. No, and yeah. uh, there's another one. Um, I know he's on the IR, but like that Brian Little contract. That was it. Yeah, Brian Little is getting paid like he's, he's got like that Jimmy Hayes deal of man, that's Kevin not good Hayes. enough. Kevin Hayes. Who did I say? Jimmy. Jimmy, oh, brother of Kevin. Kinda, they're both kind of overrated. Let's be honest. I said it. Um, it's really just like they have their forwards for like. By the way, that Shifley deal is. Yeah. Or Matthew Perot sick. getting over four million. Uh, yeah, that's another one. Um, yeah. you, man, and I keep thinking if they need to shed space additionally, that they're gonna make a mistake in trading Nick Ehlers and he's gonna explode, and I get terrified thinking about it. Also helps that Hellebuck's deal is pretty like we've seen some we have some up and down goalie deals in the league, but Connor Hellebuck's ah uh, it's it's sexy. It's it looks sexy. like a steal it's for nice. now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the cap, like, even if you you know say what you want about the term, it'll be about like thirty two, thirty three. That's like right at the end of it for goalies. Some of them get pretty pecorine, especially start going up and down by the time they're that age. So that is just a a capital S sexy deal. Six point one six 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 six. Um, I was hoping we could say more about the Jets, but it's it is simple as you recycle that money back in your defense because you you seriously all they need is another stable defenseman they can get in. Another lacking, but I still love the Dylan. I know he's a rental, but I love the Dylan Demello deal for what he does, and it's under a million. Man, you know Paul Maurice is going to be campaigning hard to get him back. You know that for a fact. Um, hey, you know sometimes. I always think, sorry to go back to Montreal, but Ben Sherratt's a player that, um, and he was like this in Winnipeg, that he's not the flashiest name, but the guy can log minutes. And Dylan DeMille is another guy who can do that for Winnipeg. And that's, I think that's all Paul Maurice really, really wants. Cause, hey, the good um, minute munchers. Yeah, just get the minute munch. That's a great term. <laughs> the minute Dylan, the minute muncher DeMello. All right, this is when we start getting into, like, if the Jets situation wasn't even worse, we kind of have a repeat here. The Calgary Flames have just under a million dollar in cap space. Million dollars, sorry. And the big story when I look at the Flames is really that they have a bunch of money coming off the book on their back end, but it is, um, it's, a, it's a back end you need to then fill back in. Now, of course, you have Hannafin, you have Giordano, and Rassus Anderson. Beside that, you have Brody, Hamannick, Forbert, Gossesson, who are all going to be gone. What do you guys think looking at the Jets, I mean, the, uh, the Flames in their situation? I don't think, uh, unless they really like one of, like, I don't think they bring back Forbert. You know, maybe they try getting Eric Gustafson. 
bringing him back and then letting Brody or Hamnick walk. But I think at the end of the day, they bring back one of, I, I think they end up bringing TJ Brody back and Travis Hamnick ends up walking. Cause I think there's a lot of guys, like a lot of teams who would really like a Travis Hamnick. Yeah. I think, yeah. Prior- prioritize one or the other, like after this year, like, you know, your right side is Rasmus Anderson and then it's non-existent. They have a lot of like left hand options already. But I think, yeah, at that point, I agree with Alex. you got to pick by that point. And I don't, I don't know, Travis Hominick's been great. But, you know, like, this is not New York Islander Travis Hominick. Yeah. No, no. I thought he was going to explode or, like, at least become, like, you know, you know, a lot more consistent or a lot more solid with Calgary. Like, I, I'm looking at their left side. And right now, Giordano, Noah Hannafin, and Oliver Shillington. I don't think that's uh, that's the worst thing in the world. I mean, I know they've been talking about Hannafin, and I know it was a m- small discussion at the deadline. If they're going to trade part of their core or what they're considering their core, I I, I don't think it's going to be a defenseman. I I think it's going to be a forward. Um. So I, I think you know bringing back T.J. Brody plus having Rasmus Anderson, your top four. Um. Is pretty secure. Yeah, um, you're looking to fill in that sixth spot as a right-handed defenseman on your third pairing. I just the one thing I look at Calgary and I think, man, the money that they could use to help the back end if they didn't have Milan Lucic's deal would be amazing. Because Goudreau, say what you want, guy scored 99 points before. Make six point seven less than Evander Kane. That's pretty. That's pretty yucky. Again, um, Kachuk only makes seven million dollars. That's pretty yucky. Um, God, Mike just has me saying yucky. I know. I'm like, oh, what did that? What did that start? <laughs> yeah. So, it, 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 man, the Flames just get it together. I'm not like a huge proponent of you know trade one of your big guys, especially because I keep hearing in Toronto, son, get rid of Newlander. Yeah. Like, I, I think when I start hearing that people are telling the Flames scared of Goudreau, I'm like. But then, no. And it's the same people saying, no, keep the big four in Toronto. Like, yeah, you got to keep your offensive dudes here. Like, Calgary, like, don't. I would love Johnny Goudreau Montreal. Don't trade Johnny Goudreau. I think uh, sorry, Daniel. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just thought um, the way everything's kind of structured with their forward contracts, like, there's enough leeway there for them to kind of yeah. justify that underachieving, like, streak they kind of had. Yeah, like, Goudreau. I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I, I like here, like when you compare it to like what they other teams consider their top guys and how much they're being paid. Yeah, but Goudreau's done ninety again, ninety nine points. And but I the think playoffs, it, that's the issue. Yeah. It's great. I like it, the, I, I think the issue for Calgary is that it. Yes, it's similar to Toronto. I guess I, I, I don't know, but you know, they're they're prime has seemed to last a little bit longer than what it's been like in Toronto where the last three, like wait, wait, last few years. Prime or window? Win, like window. Their window okay. started before Toronto's. Okay, I was about to say, because Goudreau's only 26. Like prime. Their window yeah. started before Toronto's, right? So it's been a little more, it's been a little more lengthy where, okay, at some point something has to change. Like what is it? I, I think their defense for the last few years has been their, somewhat of their strength. Like you look at that defense and you think before, 
you know, before they got Forbort and Gustafson, the reason they brought Forbort and Gustafson in was, you know, they were having in, they had injuries. Like you got Giordano before uh, Hannafin, you had Dougie Hamilton. You still had TJ Brody. You still had Travis Hamannick. You you had Rasmus Anderson. At what point do you change something else, right? You've made that change on your decor for whatever reason you want to say, whether it's because he didn't show up to him, he wants to go to a museum or whatever the hell it is. It, do you fit? My biggest concern is that, okay, we're going to go, they're going to go sign a big contract for a goalie and then screw themselves over. I, yeah, like just having a quick look, I it's the. I don't think big issue goalie would count. I know it's regardless, it is a problem. But, and I've said, I've defended Sean Monaghan before, but I think they need another center. That, like, that's. I was about to getting, say that. I get anxiety about not having centermen. Yeah. But I mean, okay, so you've got Monaghan. I think he'd be much better if you had somebody on the second line so he can take a bit of pressure. And I'm someone who said he was a bit underrated, but like. Is Mikhail Backlund really the best guy to help strengthen your core? Derek Ryan's fine. And then Dylan Dubé is a young guy, but I don't think he has the ceiling to really be a difference-making centerman. This so, year, I remember uh, they played Lindholm on the top line to kind of as the top-line center to kind of like change things around. It, it also didn't work at all. It was like the same result. Mm-hmm. Then the question becomes, who do you trade to get that second-line center? Because I don't know if they're they, – they, sure, they could have good prospects, but I don't think their prospect pool is big enough or their prospect pool is has that much trade value, right? So I think the question then becomes what you're going to package a bunch of prospects and picks to bring in a second-line center and to completely deplete the farm, which is, which is really frowned upon. How about this? How about this? How about this? Okay. How about this? How about this? I know he's not. We kind of argued there with their players, but how about this? How about this? There's a centerman in Montreal we just talked about training. Max Domi? Maybe. So is Max Domi a center? I, I'm Because I know yeah, there's no, the, he's okay. he's played most his time at center. He played a bit okay. of wing and wasn't good. Because I know there was that issue. There was the issue when Domi came in. Is he, is he a centerman or not? And not they had the Druin same. Okay. Or Galchenyuk. He, okay. he is a centerman. Don't, okay. don't worry. That's good. That's good. He is, yeah. But is he. Then it becomes okay. If let's say you trade Max Domi, is he the second line center? Like, how much of an improvement? Is Max Domi over Mikhail Backlund? Is the question? I think I think it's a step up. Uh, yeah, that's like a, how a good mu- question. How much is it? Yeah. How yeah. much of a step up is it worth trading someone for Max? Is it worth trading someone a, a significant piece or pieces for Max Domi? Is it that much of a step up that it completely it changes everything? Then you know what? It it really does make you wonder what they can do because off the top of my head, there's no big centerman in free agency. And if anything, I think Calgary would make the mistake of signing a Holtby or something to a massive deal. Um yeah. see that happening. Yeah, the Flames are the Flames are another bad uh summer away. There's a, there's always kind of been something off about the Flames to me. That just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. They're they're praying for a compliance buyout because that Milan Lucic money is coming right off the books. 
Indeed. Um, and, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen, which no. I cannot stand. Um, I'm not surprised. Okay, we're getting into red flag territory, in my opinion. We're going to start <laughs> off with the Edmonton Oilers, who have about half a million in space. Uh. Um, now, see, this year is not really – or next year isn't really, like, huge. Like, oh, God, it's burning down for me. Yeah. Um, because I look at – by the way, what a journey. The, the Oilers cat-friendly pages, there's, like, a bunch of buyouts, retain – it's such a fun thing to look at. But I look at their UFAs and RFAs this year. I'm like, okay, um, nothing here screams, ooh, we got a good contract, that guy. I mean, even Andreas Athamasiu. Yeah. But it comes in 2021, 2022 is when I yeah. think they're getting bad for the Oilers. And that, of course, would be RFA. And we don't know how – he's only had one great season, but Kaler Yamamoto will be up. Mm-hmm. And Riot Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, that that's a tough one. Because let's say, okay, next year – sorry, next year they have $10 million in cap space. They have to – I think you bring back – Andreas Athanasiu, I, I, like he could be your third line center. Uh, Tyler Ennis, I, I do. Listen, of the show. We listen, like him. I, I, I do think you try to bring back Tyler Ennis because I think it's a guy. If you need to, can like we saw him play and he, he looked okay playing with Connor McDavid. Cheap winger. Cheap, yeah, cheap winger. Um, I don't know if you necessarily bring back Mike Green. I think that was just one of those trade deadlines things. Uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, he does play in the f- playing round. Um, and Matt Benning. So really, not a lot. Jim, no, it it really, right. um, yeah. I, I do, yeah. Like I think you're right. Uh, it really. What happens the year after? You know, okay, Alex Chason's money comes off the books. Uh, Jujar Kara, what you do with him? Uh, Kyler Yamamoto. How much of a raise does Ryan Nugent Hopkins get? See, I, I really like, like where he is, he, yeah. Like, I think he could get as much as seven because he, 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 he can, like, Nugent can score. He's like he's like an upgraded version of Dino, in my opinion. That he can score and he like his two way games really improved. Maybe it's not to the level of Phil, but of Kessel, of course. No, I'm joking. But really, his um, like I really like Nuge. I think he could get some good money. I think like to say what you want about Edmonton, but I think his stock's gone up this year at last. Absolutely, I, I think so. Like I'm comparing him to Sean Monahan right now. I don't know we talked about him, but. Remember that Nuge does his job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another guy who who needs a contract, and it's a little bit of a controversial one, but it it it's Adam Larson. You don't let that guy walk for what you gave up. He's right-handed, and he's – I mean, he's – let's not forget, this guy, when people really picking on him, his dad passed away. That's not easy for people. Yeah. And you're playing in the Canadian market when you're going to get picked apart when you you're playing in Edmonton. You're playing yeah, in I, Edmonton. I, I, you know, I think you keep him, but you keep him. I think the best thing for Adam Larson though was a new change of scenery. Probably, and you're you're definitely right. I don't. I think the issue was is he was traded for Taylor Hall, 
and, and th- this is a top six guy, and I don't think Adam Larson is a top pair defenseman. No, I, he I think he. <laughs> yeah. In New Jersey, I thought it was going to be. Man, like, he won the lottery for him. Woo! I, I do think he's a three-four. Right, and I think that's good to have on your team. Uh, looking at the other defensemen that they have, you know, Philip Broberg, um, Evan Bouchard, uh, Dmitry Sam- Samarukov, right? So I-, I do think that these this he could be a filler guy, but I do think if he makes if he goes to the open market, that he could get a longer term contract. I just don't know if Edmonton's the team to give him that longer term contract. Mm-hmm. You just cash him in for assets. And then uh, I think it depends on how Bouchard progresses. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't mention Ethan bear. I'm a big fan. Oh, of him. Ethan bear. That guy. Well, he had okay. a really good year. Yeah. And a lot of people were very high on him. And the question is, what does Ken Holland do? Are you going to break the bank on Ethan Fair? No, I say bridge I deal. I don't think breaking the bank. I, I don't know if that was the in, ever in question. I think. I think it's. Do you give him a multi-year deal and hope that he does it again? Like I get he like, I get he's twenty-three and still young, and I'm not comparing him to this guy, at all. But as soon as Justin Hall got that three-year deal, as soon as I snapped my finger, he was invisible. Mm-hmm. So do you give him a prove-me deal and then see what happens? Like something like what Tony D'Angelo did this year? Because Ethan Bear, it seemed like from what I heard, from what I was hearing about in Edmonton, is that this guy really took a big step. So, I give him the prove me deal. I don't know. I'm a big proponent of that. I, I like the prove me deals a lot. The issue with the prove me deal is you got situation like Tony D'Angelo where that guy is going to get paid this summer. And then you got the situation like Kevin LeBanc where that guy is not going to get paid this summer. Yeah. I don't think Edmonton risk it, but I don't know. Like that right, that right side I'm looking at right now with them. I'm like, did they really risk it or does Ken Holland go like, all right, you know, let's give you a term now. With Ethan Bear? Yeah, I don't think so. I think we're we're gonna see like as a broad thing. I think we're gonna see a lot of shorter term deals and a lot of bridges. Yeah, and I mean like let's be honest. Until you win three Stanley Cups in whatever how many years, and you're uh, like a thirty six year old defenseman, that's when Ken Holland gives his big deals, guys. So and sorry about that for a second. My mic was coming loose off the stand, so I had to fix it. You're saying Chris Russell is going to get his huge extension in two Good years? Oh uh, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> get, like, I think he'll like same salary, but like you got to get that that guy down for six years. Okay. Um. See, the yeah. next two teams is the two. difference between Toronto and Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver. And we're starting with Vancouver. I forgot Vancouver. Is I forgot about Vancouver. The Leafs will at least have their big guys locked up. Okay, yeah. so Vancouver right now have have $30,000 in cap room. Um, That's better than the Leafs. So I'm, I just want to give you guys a little rundown of what I'm th- – yeah, the Leafs, it's – oh, I don't Zero. worry. Get to that. Zero. It's like, yeah, their cap hit is the f- – <laughs> I, love, I love looking at the Leafs cap hit. So here's what oh. I'm thinking is going to happen in Vancouver. 
Tanev's money, and a bit of this is from our, our episode of Harmon Dial when he came yeah. this. Tanev's money is going to go to Markstrom. And if that doesn't work, you're going to Toffoli, yeah. who I believe would take a home, like not a hometown, sorry, but we'll take a discount. And again, as Harmon said, we can see a Jordy Ben deal. That's what you get, Jordy, for leaving Montreal. Um, but of course, the story here is in the same season, Quentin Hughes Jesus. and Elias Pedersen Good Lord. will both be up. Sweet. Sweet. Ugh. Okay, no, no, no. I actually think this is going to work in Vancouver's favor, and I'll tell you why. A market reset could oh. do a lot of good for those RFAs. I'm just going to read you some stuff here, okay? Now, again, Patterson and Hughes are up in 2022, okay? Yeah. Now, by then, Suter and Pearson will both be off the books. Same with Adler and Ben, Okay. Um, that would give you about sixteen point one million. I used to calculate that. Here, I have the number, exact number they'll get. What do you mean? Like I have the exact amount of cap space they'll have in that year. Do you want that number? Yeah. Forty million. Forty million. Yeah. But that Not doesn't. Enough. So see, okay. So the issue is, is that that number. Uh, doesn't take into account how much Markstrom's going to get paid, how much, um, and how much Toffoli gets paid, and assuming okay. Tanev walks. Yeah, then, let me just go off my what I have here of these okay. guys who I've taken off then. Okay, so yeah, Edler will be gone probably okay. by then. He's already on the last stretch. Again, Pearson, Suter, uh, Jordy Ben will be gone by then. Um, okay, hold on. And by then, Roussel and Beagle will only have a year left. And I don't think it will be the worst. Ottawa, will, or there will be a team by then that will take those bad deals for the right price. A- Anaheim? Yes. Or, yeah, Anaheim will be one of them. Now, the problem is if it's 16 mil, and again, every time it's July 1st, the Canucks spend, it looks like you'll be able to get one of them. But then I think the issue will be how does the market change by then? for those young players because we thought I was talking to, I think I was talking to Mike about this that we all thought this market change happened last year of RFAs but then the pandemic has just screwed everything now I think one of these players of Patterson and Hughes will be fine but I think you're going to have a fight with the other one that's that's how I kind of see this shaping out what about you guys see I I wonder yes the market's going to change but how much is the market going to change that's the million dollar question, right? I think that's the issue, that that's the issue a lot. Like a team like Vancouver is going to have because at the end of the day, all these players are going to push, 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 just like the RFAs did last summer, right? Like Petrangelo, if he leaves St. Louis, he's not like he's going to push for the most money possible yeah um you wonder sorry before you go on just yeah. a quick thing i want to throw out there uh, you wonder what term will be like that as well because i think friedman said that a lot of guys might go shorter term but sorry continue alex no yeah like i think you know i, I look at some of the deals i look at tanner pearson who had a semi-decent year you know considering what he's gone through you know uh from la going to Pittsburgh, not working on Pittsburgh and getting traded to Vancouver. And 
you know, it seems like he's a completely different player. So, you know, is there a market for Tanner Pearson? And that's 3.75 off the books for this year. Um, but I, I really think the big challenge, they have one big challenge this year, which is bringing in, making sure that Jacob Markstrom comes, comes back. Mm-hmm. The real challenge for Jim Benning comes next year when he has to re-sign Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. And, you know, I think an even bit, like, along with that is, okay, I have to re-sign these two guys, but I have to bring in cheap guys. Like, what Vancouver has to do, what Toronto kind of has done and has to continue to do in bringing in cheap guys, like your Jason Spezza, like Tyler Ennis. To fill out the roster, right? So, can Jim Benning do that? That's a matter of scouting professional players and saying, okay, this guy can come in cheap um, and drafting properly. About we, all know, we all know <laughs> what's gone. And, you know, we'll see the effects of Judd Brackett for the next couple of years, right? Because he was there, like, he's been there up until the 2019 draft. But what happens 2020, 2021, 2022, right? Like, yes, Vasily Putkolzin, that, that, that could turn out, obviously, we know that guy only dropped because he, he was from Russia. Uh, and, or he was still going to be playing in Russia. Yes. Right? So that could be a really good pick uh, for the team. It's just a matter of picking those second, third, fourth, fifth round guys who could potentially play in the NHL. That's my um, spiel on the Vancouver Canucks. Thank you for coming. No, okay. no problem. Thanks, Alex, for having us. Uh, what I kind of feel too is, uh, I know this is the same thing I said about the Jets, but there's a lot of nitpicking where, you know, man, like I'd love to have that $6 million back next year. You know, when you look at Anton Roussel or Jay Beagle, um, you know, they're making $3 million each and, you know, it's you know, a lot of money for these guys that you've talked about, you know, these guys who would fill out your roster, hypothetically speaking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to commit that much money is still crazy. Um, you know, we don't talk about it too much, but that Louis Erickson thing, that still really hurts seeing that yeah. going what? on for like, what? you know, it ends when, you know, it's a year too late, I feel, with how they're going to kind of manage things. Uh for what you said about Tanner Pearson, I, I agree. Like, there's always going to be a place for him. He's a guy that, you know, he's a bit of a favorite of mine where, you know, he fits into the top nine really well. Um, for that price point, you know, his consistency, it's something where I could kind of kind of say, you know, you could take a lower cap hit if he would were to come back, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did try to trade him for, like, an asset. Mm-hmm. Um, flip it for, like, maybe a similar player or another depth forward or defenseman with a lower cap hit. Um, looking at their defense, like, Troy Sketcher, I don't think he's coming back. No, no. They were trying to. Not at all. That's what Harvey said. Yeah. Um, I like Chris Tanev, but we'll see how that uh, money kind of goes. Uh, oh, another, Alex, no, I was just getting another guy that uh, Harmon brought up. Well, I, I had mentioned to him was Michael Furland. Mm-hmm. 
right and saying you know it, it just he he mentioned that it just didn't seem like it was clicking no um you know is that like he's three and a half million dollars like that's three and a half million to on the cap so what does you know jim benning do with that you know obviously we haven't really seen him play because of concussions and then post concussion what's the market for michael furland um i think we should leave it with that question um just because okay. we've been going for about an hour and a half okay um and we're hyped up uh, about we, canadian we left, teams and we left the least for freaking last all right <laughs> So, God damn. Why would the Toronto do- Maple Leafs, they don't, their cap, their cap space is zero. <laughs> their cap hit. Now, 95 the, million. Now, the, the salary cap is $81.5 million. The Maple Leafs cap hit is $95,178,332. All right. So, here's what I have here. Yeah. And I said this earlier, the Leafs have the big guys locked up, okay? You have Morgan Riley still for, I believe it's two more years after this. Yes. But the problem is after this year, whenever the definitive end of contract time is, Nathan Horton and David Clarkson's LTIR will be gone. Yeah, so how much, um, how much should we resign those guys for? Okay, helpful. <laughs> Hold on, Leagueman. Okay, and then you can. I mean, hey, you. I I listen. You can do shenanigans. I don't think you can pull that off. I don't think you can pull that. Off. And then the, you talked about this the other day, Alex. Is that yeah. over the next few years, um, Zach Hyman, Morgan Riley, and Frederick Anderson will all be up. So yeah. I'm going to put my clipboard down. And I'm going to throw it out there, guys. Um, how are the Leafs going to I don't know. sail these seas? Because I don't know. if I have one question, it's that with this kind of – and I, I am in no way saying the Leafs are going to fall off a cliff. Um, but they the one question I, I kind of have is you have the elite talent up front. Be quiet. Is that how do you then improve the defense? Which right now seems to be like for sure Morgan Riley – and Justin Cousin, and then Justin and Rasmussen. Yes. Uh, uh, can I, do you want me to go first, Daniel? Yeah, go ahead. If we're looking at the defense, I think there's a lot of issues. Um, I've missed this. A lot of issues. You've missed what? I've just missed this. Me yelling? Because we haven't just sat down and talked Leafs and Habs in so long. So like yeah. I've just I've missed this. <laughs> I'll keep it I'll keep it short. I or I can try. Um Don't worry, just let it rip, man. Okay. Like Beyblades. I don't even know where the hell to start. But so I think the the biggest issue uh is next season Hyman and Frederick Anderson are up. And a lot of people are saying Frederick Anderson is not coming back, which is fair, right? Uh, if I'm Frederick Anderson and I have a good season next year, I'm asking for more money for eight years. And if Sergei Bobrovsky has taught anyone anything, um, you're not doing that. Like I, I love Freddie. I just don't think it makes sense to sign a deal like that. 
then what the hell do you do? You have Jack Campbell and you have to bring in another guy. Uh, and, and you look at the market. I, I don't know what, like what the hell you do. Like, there's like Matt Murray. Like, sorry, you're gonna trade how? Where? What? What are you gonna trade Matt Murray? How are you gonna get Matt Murray? No one. No one has the answer for that. But they're gonna continue suggesting it. Um, I don't know why. It's you know why. You know why. You know what Matt Murray's OHL team was. I I mean yeah. I I think you're muted, man. Yeah. Sue Greyhounds. Sue Greyhounds. That's the only reason they're um, they're creating rumors for him to come to Toronto. Um, it, fun rumors. Fun rumors. Yeah, just not going to happen. So that's a difficult situation, considering that at that point they'll have based on the 81 and a half million, they'll have $13 million in cap space. That doesn't include them re-signing Ilya Mikhaev um, and Travis Dermott. Now they have a couple other free agents Um, this year. It's Kyle Clifford, which they've talked about re-signing. I I don't know if you, (laughs) I don't know if you listened to the Steve, this Steve Dangle episode where the rumors came out three years and it was like $2 million, which was a, a he he was so bad. And it was one rumor, one guy, and there was no legitimacy to it. You know his wife is is in a good spot for having Leo because she's been changing Steve's diaper since the uh, <laughs> since the play in since COVID's coming. Yeah, it was. I love you, Steve. Just know oh, it was such a funny episode. Um, so whatever you do with Kyle Clifford, like that's a guy you could potentially bring back on the cheap. Um, Dennis Mulligan, I, I don't. Know. <laughs> Everyone forgets he's a leaf. Dennis, I don't know. Like you, he's arbitration eligible. How much money is he possibly going to get? Exactly uh, what he's getting now. I think. Yeah, probably. Like maybe just under a million. Which pop quiz? Yeah. Is Dennis Maligan left or right-handed? Right-handed. Uh, I believe he's right-handed. All right. Sorry. Go on. I just. Am I right? Uh, I'll check. Oh. Uh, but it's just a point that we that people care so little about Dennis Maligan. Uh yeah. <laughs> And he does you right. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. you, uh, genius. Uh, <laughs> then you have Jason Spezza, who they've everyone like the the Leafs. They do want to bring him back. Spezza wants to come back, so I'd assume it's something similar to what he's making now. One year, seven hundred thousand. Fourth line center, right there. Frederick Gauthier. I don't know what the hell you do with Frederick Gauthier. <laughs> sorry, I love the guy. He's, I bet. Like I usually say, he's probably a spectacular human <laughs> being. But we doing, doing this again? Well, well he's I'm a great say, guy. Just keep him off the bench. I, I'm going to say the same thing about Cody CC. Like Cody CC, not coming back. Um, and I think for their forwards, I I really do think they're set. Right. Um, pretty much their entire top six is set for at least this year and next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, Hyman. The issues come down to, okay, my third line is Janssen, Kerfoot, Kapanen, which comes out to more than $9 million. I think it's, te- I think it's 10, over, just over 10. 
10.1, right? So that's an expensive third line um, considering the Leafs cap situation. And I think we talked about this last episode just briefly at the end. There were rumors that one of Kerfoot, Janssen, or Kapanen is going to be traded. I think two of them at this point are going to be traded. And that opens up space to bring in a defenseman. Um, and hopefully, I, I don't know what the, who that defenseman is, uh, who is right-handed and can play with Morgan Riley. I don't think Morgan Riley's ever had a good defensive partner. You didn't like Ron Hainsey? No, I didn't like Ron Hainsey. <laughs> Sorry, like he was great defense, like he was good defensively, but everything else he was just not good at. Uh, he played with Nikita Zaitsev when Zaitsev was a rookie. He played with Dion. They threw this guy out to the Wolves and just let him get mauled for years. Like this team is in such a tricky cap situation. I don't know what they're going to do. I think um, if oh, – sorry, no, go, go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead. All right. Well, I kind of feel too. Like, uh, Alex brings up a lot of good points. Uh, like, the one thing I really wanted to focus on was, you know, that third line where, you know, you really got to have to, you know, cut bait with one of these guys. Like, I think I've been an advocate before. Like, I know he's on, like, long-term injured reserve, but, like, Andres Janssen, he's kind of guy where I kind of feel that, you know, you could afford to kind of get rid of him. Yeah. Um. You have these other guys coming up, like Pierre Engvall, signs extension. You know, he's a guy that I, I feel he could develop to be someone in the top nine. Um, oh, Mikhaev, sure. Yeah, Mikhaev, I hope he, you know, he stays or he at least stays healthy if the Leafs were to want to bring him back. It's kind of something where they have these pieces in place already where these guys keep coming up despite their cap situation. It's just kind of like, how are they going to use that now? Right, and, and I'm looking at their um, minor system right now. Like he played, I think he only played a couple games. Uh, Igor Korshkov, that's a guy who can play on your fourth line. Um, Nick Patan, if you really need him to play, he could probably play. He's you know, still there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, minors. Adam Brooks. Right, that's great another name. guy. Yeah, a great name. Uh, another guy who played with the Leafs this year, and, and you know, on the fourth line, didn't look too bad. Uh, in terms of Nick Robertson, I don't know if he makes the NHL next year. Right, like I think that's that's really, really pushing it a little bit. Like, yeah, he scored, and I think the issue with Nick Robertson comes to man, what are you going to do? Send him back to the OHL? After he, scoring over a goal a game, he's not getting any. It's just him wasting another year. Yeah, like I don't know if it, and I mean that's my issue with the CHL agreement, where like there has to be exceptions. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's uh, another conversation for another day. Like I think in terms of forwards, I think they have a lot of they have multiple guys who can come up and fill out that bottom nine. Without say get you can get rid of your Janssen, your Kerfoot. The issue with I have with Janssen is his values at his absolute lowest. Yeah. Um, quickly in terms of defensemen, I don't know what their top six looks like next year. They have all these guys. They have these guys. It's just it seems like they're so un, a lot of them are so unproven, right? You got your proven guys, Riley and Muzzin. Those are your proven big boys 
So we're assuming Cody CC doesn't come back. Cody CC is not coming back. Tyson Berry's gone. Um, you know, I think Travis Dermott gets re-signed. I think ta- obviously takes a bridge deal. Yeah. What is Travis Dermott is the question that I think Leaf fans have been asking for the last few years. Can he play on the right is the second question they've been asking. Next year has to be the best time to try Travis Sturman on the right side playing with Morgan Riley. I think so. They, they're running out of time. Not really running out of yeah, time. But no, it's, I it's, think they're running out of time. So? because He's going to turn 24. He's running out of time, I think. Yeah, because who's next? Rasmus Sandin, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much he's played in the, on the right in the minors, and I know he's played a lot with Timothy Lilligren, right? Uh, so I think that could, and I, and I'm saying this with like with caution. I don't know if it's the best idea, but playing Sandine and Lilligren as your bottom pair, it's really risky considering they're both going to be tech. I think they're still be technically rookies. Mm-hmm. Do you play? Do you try Miko? Like you also have Miko Lettinen. Yeah. Right, so that's another guy to throw in there. So I, I, I really do think, and I hate saying this, but because you re-signed Jake Muzzin, Travis Dermott, I think his time is kind of running out, depending on his salary, right? I, I don't know what else to say about Travis Dermott. So I guess, yeah, it's that willingness. Like, will it be able to play on another side? Because, like, you know, the way things are kind of stacking up on that left side, he's not going to get the minutes. And he's like Pierre Gasly. He's got to go for it now. He needs to push. <laughs> he needs to push. Keep pushing, Pierre. And Justin Hall needs to step up his game because as soon as he signed the extension, it looked like he disappeared. Yeah, he think, was already. Sorry, I think ahead. for being on that right side, like, you know, the ball's in his court. You know, you got to prove, you know, you're not just getting his money because of like that small streak and the fact that you shoot right. You know what? Considering he's in Toronto, he has the by far the lowest expectations because he's a right-handed defenseman and there's no one else. Yeah. You have the bar set so low. <laughs> uh, that's why I think everyone loved him because he played, he played above the bar, which was, okay, be better than Nikita Zaitsev. No problem. Nope. Yeah. I'll do that in my sleep. Um, so I guess... <laughs> They're in a tricky situation. That's the the determination. That's the headline. Leafs, like the syrup off of a tree, are in a sticky situation. That was. I say off a pancake. That's the name of the episode. Sticky situation. Yeah. Or the sticky maple leaf on the sap of a tree. That's that's too many words. That's too long. (laughs) Um. You say that. Um, remember, we remember I named the award show the Two One Podcast Award Show of Excellence and Achievement Celebration. Yeah, but I, I was read the headline that. I was re-listening that episode, by the way. It was so fun. We ripped on Daniel so much in that award show. <laughs> when you, yeah, because he had the, he had like the 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 NCAA like rookie of the year from the NCAA. But he's like, but I'm not going to count Hughes and Ricard. Yeah, because I said no one is included in the first round. Yeah, and then you said, then you were like. I'm going to have the carry award. And then we're like, oh, God, here it comes. He's like, John Gibson. Yeah, carrying the load award. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. He made Um, a good point on that one. (laughs) Do do you guys have anything more to say on the Leafs, then? No. I've said my spiel. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of syrup now. 
you can go back and listen to any of like the first 30 episodes and that's just me yelling on the leaves yeah yeah what was i i was probably like in class yeah no it was in the summer I was I feel, okay. You know what? When I listened to our old episodes, it, it felt like we were having a lot more fun. But like, this season has slowly drained. Like, even just the like, I think the Marner stuff really changed Alex. Like, it was it was like we were smiling and laughing, and now it's just like, yeah, um, twenty fourteen play in. Uh, let's scream about Hope City today, <sighs> and uh, you know, then Daniel's gonna quit because Adam and Alex are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when that happens, like I don't know where to look. <laughs> uh, I'm like I'm too scared to interrupt one of you. Fun times. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid. We're nice. It's just like, <laughs> like sometimes I want you to know. Like say it. I'll say it on air here. A lot of the times, Daniel, I won't even notice, and maybe Alex is the same way because I'm just so into what I'm trying to get across. Where I'm just like, I'm, I'm screaming here, and then yeah. I'll listen back to the episode. I'm like. Wow, are we just steamrolled over its handle there. I don't know. But we love you. Um, and no we worries, love man. You. Yeah, and we love you, the listeners. And if you yeah. enjoyed this episode of the show, because I did, I think Alex did. Daniel, you guys too? I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, Sweet. I did. Um, be sure to go check out the show's YouTube page, as previously mentioned, for a visual experience. You can go check out the show's Instagram and Facebook page for some hockey discussion. Why not? Check out all three of our social medias. All in the description below, or what you know, wherever. Uh, quickly before we go. Yeah. Lando Norris finished in third place. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Charles Leclerc. <laughs> Alex Albon will rise again. Alex Albon. Alex Albon's in the gravel right now. He will rise again. Be, be sure to check out the shows, iTunes. Sorry, like subscribe on iTunes, follow Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Leave a five star rating. It helps get the show the new ears. And leave a review. Who are you rooting for for F1? Because let's be honest, as Sebastian Vettel said, everyone's a Ferrari fan. Goodbye, and we'll see you next time.